Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody, this is John Leon from White Wizard, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey guys, we have a great episode for you today. It is John Leon from White Wizard. They are back with a very strong record, which John is going to tell us all about. So good to have White Wizard music back in our lives once again. And again, the, the new record's strong, guys. Check this, check this out. Uh, check this interview out, and check some of the music we're going to play from White Wizard out and support them by purchasing the CD or. Go- going to iTunes and downloading the music at the very least go listen to it on Spotify show up to their live shows do what you can to support an independent band like White Wizard especially when they're so damn good as White Wizard also on this show this dude is massive when we talk about some of the biggest rock managers of our time Doug Goldstein is one of them He managed Guns N' Roses when they were at the height of their career, and he is here to fill us in on what he's up to nowadays and, of course, reflect back on on some of that time with with Guns N' Roses. Doug Goldstein, a friend of mine, I've gotten to know him through through Mitch LaFon, and uh, a great guy, and I'm glad he is here to uh, check in with us. And big apology to both John and Doug, because these interviews were recorded ages ago and i'm just getting them up now so i apologize to both you guys but better late than never right so here we are you know what's happened is uh unfortunately i've been out of work which i'm a freelance contractor guy so i i bounce from tv job to tv job however i've never had uh, such a dry spell and there's a lot of my fellow uh TV writers and producers and editors who are in the same boat. I don't know. We keep hearing how great the economy is doing on TV, but uh, um, 
I'm not exactly sure what's going on in, in my line of work because uh, I'm not alone with this. A few things look like they're coming down the horizon, but it, man, it's been a rough uh, two months here. And one thing that I can say is you guys have stepped it up. You've been amazing. Thank you for all your support with the PayPal donations. Please don't stop. Keep it coming. You're using the Amazon links. That is amazing. And we've uh, stepped up our Patreon page. And this is the, the, the place I really want to direct you guys to support this show. Patreon.com slash Talking Metal. You go, you make a pledge. I'm giving bonus episodes. You know, we only got like, you know, seven, eight um, people on Patreon subscribing and, and donating every month. And guess what? They're getting bonus content that no one else is hearing. It's usually just a straight shot, me rambling. Uh, I'll let things slip a little more on there than I, than I would on this podcast, which is a more public place. The stuff on Patreon is very, uh, you know, it's just me talking to my friends. So I don't worry too so much about offending anybody or, or anything like that. So love to have you join us there. You know, you can pledge two bucks a month. 20 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, whatever you can afford. You know, I know, listen, we pay, we pay money for things we like, right? And podcasts are, are technically free, but look, look at, I mean, we give you great content here and you get, in my opinion, mediocre content on, on places, you, you know, platforms like Sirius Radio. I mean, geez, uh, podcasts kill what's going on on that. And yet we're willing to pay 15 bucks a month for serious, you know, and uh, we still expect our podcast to be free. And I, I get that. I get that. But on the flip side, if you can afford it and you do believe in what we're doing here and you think it's worth some money, go join us on patreon.com slash talking metal and leave us a five star review on iTunes. And you know what? Maybe I'll read a couple of those iTunes reviews uh, in just a bit, okay? And share share this on social media, guys. Share Talking Metal. Tag me on it, at Talking Metal or at Striegel. Visit my website, TalkingMetal.com or TalkingRock.net. Same site, two different addresses get you there. What's cool is the TalkingMetal.com address still takes you to the you know talking metal podcast exclusively where the talking rock.net is a whole is a whole thing going on there we got my video shows the mark and mitch show which is the show i do with mitch lafon we got all my different podcasts including this one talking metal but also metal raps and talking rock podcast so check that out talking rock.net all right without further ado let's get into some white wizard music this is going back this is called Pretty May, and it's off the new Infernal Overdrive record by White Wizard. This will be followed by my interview with John from White Wizard.
Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. We have John Leon of White Wizard. White Wizard is back. Possibly my favorite release by this band that I've I've loved now for like 10 years. The new record, Infernal Overdrive. John, how are you? Great, man. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. So the last time I spoke with you, which may have not even been on the podcast, it may have just been on the phone or uh, in an email or something, it sounded like you were going to take a break from from the music business, which in theory you did. I know you had that one song uh, that came out, Marathons of, of Dreams, back in 2014, but there hasn't been a, a full-length record from White Wizard since 2013. What have you been up to these these past, you know, four, four or five years? Have you been uh, pursuing other interests or... Just taking a break. What what has John been up to these past few years? Yeah, you know, I think I uh, I just kind of took some time away from uh, the uh, heavy metal universe. I still played a lot of guitar and wrote, but I kind of just spent a lot of time with my uh, my girlfriend at the time and traveled a bit. And just uh, you know, wasn't sure if I wanted to keep doing it or not. I just started uh, getting songs that started coming to me that were inevitably White Wizard songs, and they they were just really great. And, uh, I just, that's kind of how it is with songwriting stuff just kind of comes to you, whether when you're jamming or in your head, um, sometimes I'll, I'll have riffs just come into my head or wake up with riffs in my head. It's a bizarre process, but once an idea comes, it's hard for me to, to, to go away from that idea until it comes to fruition until I can finish it. And it usually happens pretty quick once there's a spark. And, uh, over a period of a couple of years, I just had all these songs that I thought were maybe the the best I'd written for, for white wizard yet. And, um, so I just kind of inevitably it, uh, it inspired me to want to, uh, possibly keep it going. And then a lot of serendipity happened after that. Uh, James LaRue and I had already been, um, back in touch and speaking for some time about doing something together again. And, uh, it just all kind of made sense. And once Wyatt was back in uh, with both feet, it was uh, full steam ahead. Awesome. Again, the new record is Infernal Overdrive. Just a, some great stuff on this record. John, you know, in the past, we've heard Rush and Maiden influences in White Wizard's music, but I feel like bands like that even have more a prominent uh, influence on this new record, even some progressive sounds at times. Do you feel that you're kind of maybe just reaching out a little more musically into different areas with this new record infernal overdrive yeah i mean i think that's always been the intent with white wizard too i think even though we started out being classified in the new wave of traditional heavy metal i always wanted to have an attitude of a band like rush that we weren't afraid to try new things and grow and expand i have a very uh massive library of, of vinyl that crosses genres of all types i listen to all types of music and uh and you know metal is just actually a very small uh facet of what i listen to so i think that my influences are are pretty intense you know whether it's 60s psychedelic or or, or you know 70s prog all the way to you know motown r&b soul jazz blues world music um alternative music um you know i, I even love 80s pop so there, there's just a, a vast array of influences all the time it just depends on my mood and so yeah, I've always wanted White Wizard to have an eclectic sound, and I've always wanted White Wizard to continue to progress and get more interesting as we go. I think that's 
that's that's the best way that a, a band that's really all about the music can do it anyway i think we're in it for the music first and foremost and so we're we're trying to find the better us as musicians as well as uh you know um fans you know because we're i think we're fans first and you'll always hear a little trickle of influence of, of our of our heroes in because that's what we do. You know, we we're fans first. I mean, we we're making this music because we believe in it and we love it. And there's really no other reason we are. I don't think there'd be another white wizard record if we weren't in this for the right, right reasons, you know, for the music. I don't, if we are in this for the party or for, you know, to get our ego stroked, I think we'd have jumped ship in 2010. You know? right <laughs> yeah. Hey, so this uh, this record on on previous records, you've done not only the bass playing and the songwriting, but you've also done quite a bit of guitar on on a lot of the the previous, I guess maybe all the previous White Wizard records. How much guitar are you playing on this record? Um, I play all the rhythm guitars. I you know I. I... I have on the last uh, three records exclusively um, on over the top. I played, uh, I played all the rhythm guitars um, on 40 deuces, the title track over the top and on white wizard, which is the song that closes that record. Um, those three songs were actually uh, recorded when I just gotten together with Wyatt and we had a drummer and that was it. And literally we went in the studio and tracked those songs. I played the lead on 40 deuces, a couple of the simpler leads and over the top, our producer played the middle lead, et cetera. So, but then once flying tigers came, um, I exclusively kind of took over rhythm guitar and my producer really liked the way it felt. And, uh, we've just always stuck with that formula. And what's great about it is I'm able to say to LaRue as I was on devil's cut with the last guys, don't worry about this. Whatever songs we're going to play live, I'll teach them to you later. Concentrate on writing killer leads. You know, that way they can focus 100% on just writing great leads as opposed to trying to learn all the material um, to just try to play it in the studio, which is kind of cumbersome, really, and pointless in the grand scheme. And um, it's been great because, you know, just like the last record, um, James J. LaRue just, you know, I mean, as you've heard, he just absolutely slayed the leads on this record. He just completely composed and wrote amazing lead work. So all the lead work is LaRue. All the rhythm work is me. I do some of the simpler harmony stuff, um, a couple of the more complex harmonies he does. And, and we have a nice synergy that way. And it really ended up working out really well. And and, uh, really stoked with the results because LaRue just destroyed it. Cool. And now Will is back in the fold too. Will Will Warner. Now Will is going to join us for our live gigs. Yeah, that'll be kind of officially released and pressed next week. But um, yeah, he's going to come play. Uh, going to be our second guitar on our live gigs. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're excited. Cool. And as far as the topics go on this record. Where do you where do you draw influences from? Um, I mean, there's been a few things I was listening to, and I had to wonder if maybe the 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 current political climate and just the place we are as a country now have have influenced some of your your lyrics. Well, definitely, the title track is is almost more. It's not even so much of a political statement. Is it is it a? It's just that I I kind of see the. <laughs> the emerging of technology and stupidity in their finest hour, you know, and uh, I just kind of see the human race as a whole is kind of circling the drain a bit. Um, 
with uh, with what I see around me. When I go to breakfast, I'll see a family of six sitting at breakfast, and all of them are staring at their phones for an hour, and they don't even converse. You know, you just kind of you kind of laugh and scratch your head a bit. The obsession with things like the Kardashians, just the the things that the human race seems to be obsessed with. Um, and what's that saying? Uh, you know that they that they say uh, never has a uh, more uh, I forget how it, it it states. I'm too tired, but uh, never have more uninteresting people been more documented. You know, <laughs> it's right. it's uh, you know we we it's just a very interesting time to kind of look around. It's a bit of a sarcasm. The title track. There's some tribute to uh, military on the album. There's a couple songs. One's about my grandfather's unit in World War II called "Boy to the Wolf Raiders" about the Marine Raiders. Yeah. There's "Storm the Shores," which is uh, a little bit more uh, you know kind of a just a general tribute to troops in general. I kind of feel like they get a bad rap in uh, Western society. I don't think it's fair, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, there's a, there's songs, you know, about experiences I went through. Cocoon is about uh, trying to find, uh, you know, uh, some light in, in death when you lose somebody. Um, Critical Mass is a little bit of a, of a fun tongue-in-cheek shout-out to critics that have kind of written us off over the years. Um, Chasing Dragons is probably one of my favorite lyrically. It's uh, it's kind of about, you know, it's using the metaphor of chasing the dragon, of, of, you know, being a drug addict, how a lot of times love and relationships can be a lot like the same thing. And we're kind of chasing the dragon, so to speak, chasing that high, that initial high, and we never can get back, and all the chaos that and fallout that comes from it. That's kind of what that lyrical dynamic's about. So there's a lot of stuff. Some of it's very on the surface and easy to get, and... Uh, and, and, you know, and fun and some of it's a little bit deeper and, you know, it's just, uh, kind of just all ties into either things that were in my mind at the time when I was writing the songs that I felt conveyed the emotion or, uh, events I was going through at the time. Right on. Now I wanted to also ask you about the producer you worked with on this record. Can you fill us in on who that, who that is? Yeah, Ralph Patlin, who's pretty much, you know, been there from the beginning. I worked with Ralph on projects, uh, a long time ago when he was working with Michael Shanker and working with Megadeth and stuff and Dave and um, all the Capitol remasters. He did a bunch of different stuff with, with different artists and him and I worked on a couple projects and I knew right away he had a special ear. I've worked with a lot of different people and I always went, you know, from the moment him and I worked together, we had great chemistry. So when White Wizard was looking for someone to mix the first EP when we'd recorded it and the guy that had mixed it wasn't doing a very good job. Uh, I, I hit up Ralph and, uh, he makes high speed GTO EP as it sounds on an SSL board overnight, um, for like a thousand bucks for us, you know, and that was, that was it, you know, from there on when, uh, when, when over the top needed to be recorded, um, he was the clear choice. And, uh, we've kind of built a chemistry ever since he's produced, uh, he didn't produce the single I did a couple of years ago. That was just me, but all the records he's been, um, you know, the producer on over the top line, Tiger's Devil's Cut overdrive so this is our fourth record working together um we've built uh, a great chemistry and i've always said i you know if you watch all these documentary rock trees whatever all these bands that we all look up to there always seems to be two uh, there's one that the band always seems to have found a producer that they worked with and built a chemistry with um, they developed with and luckily we've had that with ralph uh, the other thing is they've always had a really great manager that's something we've never had and that we continue to hope to to get i think that's been our achilles heel um i think that all great bands they seem to have had this manager at the beginning that had a vision that's funny had investors had uh the ability to uh, corral all the egos so you know we we 
we've got that with Ralph at least, and that's part of what you, you know it's been constant, which has been great. And I think that's part of the reason this album we all feel it's our best yet because we all had a continuity and flow. We've all worked together enough. Um, LaRue was seamless. He was great. Um, I've, I've worked with LaRue in the past. He's the best guitarist I've ever played with, with all due respect to other guitarists that have been in the group. LaRue is just a special talent and, uh, he just is very easy to work with him and I communicate well. And, uh, it was really seamless. And it just from the beginning to the end of the process, we all elevated it. It all just went really easy, which was great. Very cool. I wanted to circle back to a song you mentioned, which I really dig, epic song, Voyage of the Wolf Raiders. Now, that, that song's about your your grandfather, you said. Can you tell us a little bit about your grandfather and, and how he relates to this song? Sure, yeah. It's, you know, the Pacific Fleet of World War II, he was a part of, um, and he was a part of a very uh, badass group called the Raiders and the Marines back then in World War II, and they were pretty much the first guys on the shore. You know, they were the... They were the they were the you know seals of their day so to speak almost you know what I mean I mean they were they were as badass as it as it came um, a lot of them got killed unfortunately my grandpa um, was lucky to even come out of that uh, <laughs> that war alive and uh, you know he just he just was uh, was a really awesome guy in my life and uh, when I was back home a couple of years ago I my mom was busting out some of his old uniforms and I was putting them on and I was just getting real nostalgic and. Uh, he had a book on his shelf um, uh, about, you know, the Marine Raiders, and I started reading more, and I just uh, absorbed it, and I felt like, you know, I think that their story would make a great, you know, song, and when I had the music for it, it just kind of made sense. I said, this just sounds like a very, uh, I mean, it's very maidenish, that song. It had a maiden influence all over it when I wrote it. It just, sometimes that happens. I think I wrote that song mostly on the bass, that's why. Um, some songs I write on bass every now and then that's one of them. And, uh, yeah, man, I just kind of started writing the lyrics and then I had the intro that I really liked. Um, and it all just kind of came together and, uh, there you go. Very cool. And it's a great record. Love that song. Love, uh, storm the shores. The first single was just, was a ice pick in the forehead. Great stuff. So many great songs. The, the illusion tears, uh, 11 minute, just again, epic, so much great stuff. Who's on drums, John, before, cause I think we covered all the members, the producer. I just, uh, I forgot the name of your drummer. Who, who's playing drums with you? Yeah, well, our, our main drummer is a guy named Dylan Marks, E-Y-L-A-N Marks. Um, he's uh, kind of a newer kid. He's from San Diego. We did have another drummer on, on some tracks as well in the studio. But Dylan came on later and really wanted to be part of the band, which was big for us. And uh, he did some of the most bombastic drums, and, you know, especially the first in the first two songs, Infernal Overdrive and Storm the Shores. He just nailed them, and... Uh, so we uh, we adopted him as our, our permanent drummer because he really wanted to be a part of it. And uh, our old drummer, Giovanni's over in Italy now and just was, uh, you know, he's got a new life now. And um, we just we just felt like new blood was great. He made sense. He wanted to be a part of it. And uh, we feel great about it. And we're excited to get out with him, man. He's got a lot of energy and he's really professional and really hungry, which is great. Excellent. Well, please keep me posted on any East Coast dates. We'd love to get White Wizard in New Jersey or New York City. Guys, the album is Infernal Overdrive, and this is a band that I know a lot of us have loved for a while. This record, I mean, right now I'm feeling like it's possibly my favorite White Wizard record. It's really good. Go and pick up a copy. Check it out. 
Uh, John, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day out there, and we will keep you posted when we're coming to the Northeast. And don't freeze your asses off out there. Yeah, it's, it's fucking cold right now. Critical Mass by White Wizard. That's that's an epic song. It's like nine minutes long. You can go buy the full version on iTunes. You, you got a little sound sample of it here on Talking Metal. Support White Wizard. Thank you, John, for joining us and always keeping us in the loop on uh, what you're up to musically. Let's right now get into an interview. I mean, when you talk about rock managers, what do you have? Peter Grant, Colonel Parker, Brian Epstein... You know, the biggies, right? The big guys. Bill Coyne. This is one of those guys. This is Doug Goldstein, former manager of Guns N' Roses and, and many others. Let's check in with him right now and see how he's doing. Doug Goldstein, the iconic rock manager known for his work with so many bands such as the great Guns N' Roses. Here we go. Doug Goldstein checking in with us on Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal podcast. And once again, calling in 
We haven't had him on the on the podcast for a while. Doug Goldstein, one of the greatest rock managers of uh, all time. <laughs> Doug, how are you, yeah, man? If you don't believe, hey Mark, if you don't believe I'm one of the greatest, just ask me. <laughs> right there, you go. Hey, man, yeah. let, let's let's start with a with um, kind of an off the beaten path topic here. I just yeah. had the the privilege of interviewing a guy who does very li- doesn't do a lot of interviews, and he spent an hour with okay. me on the phone. His name Eric Singer, wow. just a just a fantastic drummer. <laughs> And he brought up you during the interview. He said, he told me about getting into Alice Cooper's band. You know, he had he was in a, uh-huh. a real hard time. He had been fired from Badlands. And he, right. he yep. mentions that he just started calling people, trying to put the yeah. word out that he needed a job. He literally needed a job. Right. And, and right. he cites you as the guy who really took up the cause for him and started putting the word out. And the next thing he knew, Alice <laughs> Cooper, because because of you, you basically hired him. How did you him. hit me with that one, Striggle? You're yeah. killing me, buddy. Do you remember this, though? Do yeah. you remember getting him the gig at Alice Cooper? Are you yeah. kidding me? You tell Eric Singer, the watch collector, that I need money, and I have a one-of-one one rose gold with uh, diamonds, but it's not gaudy, right? Right, okay. Beautiful. It's uh, one of one in the world. It's called Novakian. You can't wow. find it unless you go to, like, Switzerland, right? Wow. I think they have an office. They used to have one in Beverly Hills, but back when I had money, Mark, <laughs> which I don't anymore, but it's right. okay. That's another right. story. Um, that's what marriage does to you. <laughs> ah, right. But, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, it's uh, one of one in the world, $175,000 watch. Um, I'd rather give that money to people that need it. It's kind of my new spin, as you, you and I talked about off air. Right, right, um, right. You know, I, I, w- I would use the money to, you know, put gas in my car. That's it. The rest of it goes to charity. But, um, but yeah, no, Eric and I, we, we got to be really good friends. Um, it, it, very early in life, I was a bodyguard, uh, director of security, right, as it were. And so I, I had met Eric, and, uh, and I just fell in love with the guy. He's affable. He's really incredibly intelligent. And, uh, you know, we had a shared intelligence, his <laughs> so, right, he's just right. a good guy. <laughs> right. So when he called me, I'm like, you know, I have what I call the cerebral Rolodex. So when somebody kind of tells me what they're going through, I do this interesting plug and play. And so I thought, hey, I know. Hang on a second. And so yeah, I called Coop, and the rest is history. Wow. And who who knew he'd end up, you know, being the drummer of Kiss? I mean, God bless him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He deserves. I mean, it. hey, anybody that can last that long with Gene and Paul, they're okay. With it. <laughs> right. Right and, you know, in all fairness, I can't say that because uh, Gene and Paul have been amazing to this uh, little friend of mine in San Diego um, who has cerebral palsy. Oh, and really? for shoot, oh yeah, for twenty five years, every single time they're in San Diego, they they make sure he gets a pass to come backstage, and they give him a big hug and they take pictures with him. I mean. I got all the time in the world for those guys. You know? Wow, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. So you, you met Eric back when he was in Sabbath, right? You were doing security for them? Yeah, is exactly. That, is that right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, it was the uh, the Seventh Star record. Uh, Glenn Hughes was the singer for half of it, and then uh, and then uh, Ray Gillen took over. And, uh, <laughs> and so, I used, yeah, I used to have to, you know, um, uh, protect uh, Tony Iommi, although... He didn't need much protection. He's a badass, right? Right, <laughs> so right. He used to beat up Ozzy in high school when he was John Osborne. Ah, um, right. I've heard that. And story. he's just a, he's a big boxer. Um, so, and I'll tell you, when we're not focusing on when we're doing something else, 
uh, if you're not already aware, this, the great story about Tony cutting off his fingertips and, and writing a letter to Django Reinhardt and just addressing it, Django Reinhardt, India. And he got a letter back like three months later right? Um, with a prosthetic doctor in London. Without that happening, there is no Black Sabbath. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. So Django Reinhardt, for those that are listening that don't know, uh, was this incredible gypsy guitarist who traveled the world with uh, with three fingers. Right. And, yep. and some of them were cut off, right? Yeah, and that inspiration. So, anyway, Mark, go on, yeah, buddy. yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, and, and you have such a history. Obviously, that's what turned into that's obviously that's what turned into Badlands because Gillen and Eric were in in Sabbath. Right. Yep. Yep. And mm. you have such a great history, and we want to definitely talk to you a little more about your history and get your your thoughts on, yes, on of course, Guns and Roses, the band that you brought to such super big heights, uh, and we'll talk about that later. But right now, let's talk about what you're <laughs> you know, up to yeah. to now. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you you mentioned that you're that you have a lot of, uh, I guess I would call it so charity charity type um, plans in in the works here. Yeah. What can you fill us in on yeah. as far as as far as that goes? Well, you know, Mark, I, I mean it's um, it's interesting. I, I was presented with a, a lot of money at a very early age, squandered through it, and I kind of just started figuring it out. I wasn't doing philanthropic stuff. I mean, I took care of family and friends. Don't get me wrong, but. Homeless issues, didn't take care of that. The drug issues, didn't take care of that. Battered women, pediatric cancer, on and on and on, right? There's so many people. You know, I was, uh, I'm in here in Dallas right now, on my way to Austin. And, uh, and, and while I'm here, I went out to a place called Cafe Brazil. It's on my Facebook. You can check it out. But um, on my hand, anyway, <laughs> on my other face, Mark, you know which one it is. But, right, um, right, right. But, um, yeah, but um, I went there, and there's these uh, students from Texas A&M, little Aggie kids. Totally cute. So I sit down at the table and I said, look, guys, I got to tell you something. I humbly apologize. Well, for why? I said, the state of the world that we're handing it off to you kids, you know, for the EPA director to say, oh, gee, the global warming doesn't exist. <laughs> what? Right. What are you talking about? Right. So, you, tell, tell, you know, tell the polar bears that are sitting up on, you know, one little block of ice and <laughs> it doesn't exist. Right. So, I mean, I just can't ignore it anymore. So. I'm starting with this as an anti-opioid awareness festival. It's, in the, it's literally in the formative stages. But I, I've given the, uh, the festival idea the ambiguous name of SLAM, Saving Lives in America. And the primary reason for that is, you know, yeah, this one's going to be anti-opioid awareness. But last night I was on the phone with a guy named Josh who runs executive protection, cyber protection, and is part of the VA uh, admin for, uh, for Trump. And so... I want to do a veterans deal in DC, a concert there. And, okay. and I'm only going after bands that it resonates for them. And I'm not asking them to do it for free. We've got backers, we'll find sponsors. And so all I would ask is search your heart and come up with a realistic price, right? Just a realistic uh, price. Right. And, and to that end, you know, if it resonates for them, great. I mean, look, I'm looking at, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the Eminem and YouTube records that have dropped without fanfare, right? Yeah. Totally. And I'm thinking, what a great, what a great way to launch this to do something good, right? Yeah. I mean, even 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 uh, even Gene Simmons. I mean, I spoke to his manager, who I'll leave nameless, but he's an old buddy of mine. And um, and I called him uh, Christmas Eve. I said, Hey, bud. I said, I'm I'm starting this thing. What about Gene being the spokesperson? Well, no, he's got uh, he's got some uh, some issues in the public which I want to address, which everybody knows about. And I said, Yeah, but look, I'm not his manager. You are. What a better way to get out from under that than to do something good in America. Let's go on Sharon Osbourne's show. The talk. 
you know, let's go on uh, Dr. Phil. And so now you get out from under that. And he says, well, I'm sorry, I don't think it resonates. It doesn't work for me. Right. Mm. <laughs> Again, you manage my dad. You know, God bless you. Because my dad taught me when I was a kid, SW, SW, SW. Some will, some won't, so what? Right? It's right. like, if somebody says no to me, Mark, I don't have time to focus on it. I got to move on. Right on. I mean, this thing is so, so time consumptive, Mark, that I've literally, because I'm doing a solo right now, uh, and I'm not making a penny at this point, and I don't care. I'll eat grub worms. It doesn't matter. If I can save lives, screw it. I don't, fucking, I don't care. So, um, so what I'm, so in the past three weeks, I've been in the emergency room three times from severe exhaustion and dehydration. Okay. And I'm drinking the hell out of water. Right. But, oh, but I mean, you know, Mark, uh, about me. I mean, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine today. My IQ is a certain level, right? And, and I won't say it because it's just irrelevant, and I don't like to throw that out there. It's not a braggadocio thing. It's just how my head spins, and it's the reason why I don't sleep. So I'm talking to a friend of mine who's a partner today named Andrew Primer, a great guy. And Andrew says, uh, people think that you're on drugs. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, no. <laughs> no. Uh, how can you be a bodyguard on drugs? Right. But I operate really fast. I talk really fast because of the level of my IQ. So I tell him the number because he's my friend and partner. He goes, oh, shit. I thought yours was like as high as Einstein. So while we're talking, he's on speakerphone. I Google it. Einstein's IQ was actually 18 points lower than mine. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, so... I'm blessed with what I call the cerebral Rolodex. Right. As I talk to somebody, like, uh, like there's this great little Christian kid named Brady Alamazola, uh, lives in Texas and Houston. He's a professional tennis coach, but, uh, but he also is like one of the best Christian men I've ever met. So he's introducing me to this group of Christian guys, which is how I met Trump's guy. And, and he knows kind of, I've never talked to him about the whole intellect thing, but he gets it. You know, he stays out of my way and just kind of, He's the connector. He introduces me to people and we kind of roll them out one at a time. You know, like there's this great gal that, and I, all these things are appearing uh, kind of out of my Rolodex. I, I get this message called, I mean, a mental message. I think it's God. You can call it whatever you want. Right. But like I'm driving to Dallas. Right. Hey, I haven't talked to Sahar, my buddy who I met at Beverly Wilshire. She sold me that watch that Eric Singer is going to buy so I can put money into other people's pockets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, so she sold me that watch. Now she owns one of the most successful jewelry stores in Beverly Hills. And you can't get in uh, unless you have an appointment because of security, guns, the whole deal, right? She designs all of the, all of the uh, jewelry for Cardi and Tiffany, and then they jack it up by five to ten times because it's got their name on it. So she said, hey, Doug, how can I help? Do you want money? I said, I don't think that's it. She goes, how about we do a benefit in Beverly Hills? Hey, now you're talking. Right. So I'm going to talk to Sahar, and we're going to put that on so we can raise so, awareness and raise money. So you're looking. You're looking. You mentioned the Slam Festival. So that that's that's yeah, one saving lives in America. Okay, saving mm-hmm. lives in America. Now, so that's one. That's one potential element of this. But this is just yes, an sir. overall awareness campaign uh, about yep. opiates and and other things. But it's not even awareness. Mark, to, to be more definitive, it's not awareness. My my uh, my uh, financial background is saying guy named Mike Zibrick, great guy, out of out of Arizona. He's already built one twenty three million dollar facility in Tucson. Uh, it's a rehab facility. We want to raise money. It's not awareness. It's raising money to put people in there that can't afford it. They're like scholarships. And the cool thing about Mike, he get, he gets it. It wasn't my idea. It was his idea. 
but it resonates for me. Heroin addicts, they're, they're already on the bottom of the chain. They're already in the street, right? Not literally, but so the AA thing is a little antiquated when it comes to the, the heroin addiction. You're going to wake these kids up at 530 in the morning, kick them out of bed and make them make their own bed and then go kick their own meals. No, not, not how Mike rolls. Mike's like, get up at seven or eight. When you come back, your bed's going to be made. Your breakfast is already made for you. And this is the part I love, Mark. It's a music-based therapy program. <laughs> cool. How cool is that? So this guy's That's got great. his head in the right place. He puts his money where his mouth is. He made his money in real estate development in Arizona. But he's going to build four more of these facilities around the country. He's a good guy with his head in the right place. His heart's in the right place. Nice. I just feel blessed to have him walk into my life. And so as far as the actual slam festival goes, is there a, a, mm-hmm. a time frame you're looking at? And are you, you're, I yeah, guess- I'm, I'm working with a guy. He was my boss. Uh, when I was 18, I was going to college in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I used to drive down to Phoenix and work every single concert down there. Every single concert, right? As security? I don't, I don't care who it is. It could be this. Yeah. I was, oh, stop it. That's my favorite band of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, used to, I used to double date uh, back way before I was married. I uh, dated this girl named Vicky Back, and she worked at CBS Records. And and Neil Sean was dating her best friend who worked at CBS Records. So Neil and I used to double date for about a year and a half. Wow. And 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 some of the greatest as a kid when I'm 16 years old at the Rose Bowl, working a a, a journey show, and I'm looking at this amazing production that that their manager Harry Herbert, who's a genius, came up with. It was the best live presentation. Uh, them and Queen, right? But Queen really didn't have the same receptivity in America that Journey did. Uh, the rest of the world, forget about it. I mean, Queen was way bigger than Journey, with the exception of Japan, right? But uh, I mean, I know a lot about the history of music because I study it. I grew up on it. Had a, a wonderfully sensitive, caring, loving guitar playing brother who Axel. Uh, I came into his room in London. He plays me a tape, and I'm like, wow, that guitar player is fantastic. He goes, you don't know who it is. I said, no, that's your brother, you dumbass. <laughs> so, I mean, it was nice to hear that acknowledgement. But, right. So I understand a lot about music in all genres. I don't care if it's country, the classical, the whatever. Um, so, so my whole deal, Mark, is using my experiences uh, from the time I was 14 years old uh, up until today to try and help others through all walks of life. So to, to turn a full circle to your question, uh, this buddy of mine that I worked with for, actually, Danny Zalisco, um, for some reason, Live Nation bounced him and took his second guy, Terry Burke, and gave him the Live Nation job. Um, Danny now does about 1,000 shows a year. Um, he's best friends with Alice Cooper. I mean, best friends, right? He's, he's, and he's, his other best friend is Alice's manager, Chef Gordon. So, okay. um, I mean, he was at a dinner uh, last week in Maui with uh, Shep and Alice and Oprah Winfrey and Michael McDonald and Kenny Chesney. You know, so although we haven't yet gotten talent because you have to get the buildings first and you have to have a mission statement and it's literally in the infancy stages, we're looking at October, November, depending upon availability in the area, right? Uh, what, what venues are going to be available when? I mean, you know, I want to bring in uh, national, if not international, television. Depend- but that's going to be dependent upon what artists decide to jump on or not. Right. Okay. So if it resonates for them, fantastic. If it doesn't, SWSWSW, SW, SW, right? Right. Okay. 
so Danny will promote the event and, uh, and, um, and I'll produce and organize. Awesome. Cool. Well, it sounds like a really potentially very exciting event. Please keep us posted as it starts to materialize and come, come about. We, hey, wanna, Mark we want the exclusive. Mark, Mark you're not going to get the exclusive, you piece of crap. <laughs> 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 but you and my buddy, Mitchie Lafon out of right. Canada. Yes. Uh, I want you guys to come out, obviously, be my host, be my guest, and, uh, and set up and do a remote from there. Absolutely. It looks like it's going to be three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But again, Mark is contingent upon who comes on the bill. Okay, cool. You know, hopefully, how many? Hey, how many listeners you got right now, Mark? <laughs> when uh, you put this up? Well, you know, we consistently get about five, five to six thousand an episode, which is is, is you good. know what? Yeah. So here's what you do, okay? Put it up on put it up on a website, put it up on Facebook, and say if you like it, share. <laughs> if you right. like it, share. Right on. Okay. Let's get it out to as many people as we can. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let, cool. Let's let you take care of those little boys who are sitting in that freezing New York. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Let's get your heating bills taken care of. Yeah, no, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. We definitely, uh, yeah, but, definitely have some hey, big Mark, ones this I gotta, Mark, Mark, I just got to tell you that, uh, that I feel honored and blessed to have you in my life. Um, you've always been Thanks, great man. to me. Yeah, I love you. You're a really good guy. Uh, you do things for the right reason. It's not monetary. You love music. Well, thanks. And, uh, and God bless Likewise. you for that, buddy. And I'll be here for you anytime. Well, th- thanks, Doug. And, and the same to you, man. We're, we're always glad to talk with you and hear what you're up to. Uh, you know, thanks, buddy. And please oh, and, keep and, us posted <laughs> on everything. Oh, go ahead. I will. Yeah, I was just going to say in closing, I told you this off uh, air, but uh, the goal for me is to go to Harvard Divinity School, like seminary to understand world religion, and that'll be 2019 spring in Boston. Nice. Uh, and the premise there is, I started reading sociopsychology when I was seven years old. Why are you who you are today based upon what you grew up with, right? And so how can I really talk to somebody who's Islamic or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever if I don't understand kind of their upbringing? I just think it'll help me get inside of their heads a little better to be able to be more empathetic. Absolutely, and whatever God yeah. wants to happen, Mark's going to happen. Dude. Right. I don't know what it is, but... I'm not questioning it right now. Just kind of following God's lead. Right, right. Well, you've had an amazing ride so far, and I'm sure it's going to continue to be amazing. But I didn't. But I didn't do the right things, Mark. It's going to be way more amazing now that I'm putting things okay. in the right position. Good, good. So, well, God willing, right? God willing. But. Right on. So, you. I wanted to just before we let you go, I just needed to at least yeah. hear a brief comment on you know the band that you helped bring to to such uh, yeah. such success, mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. we've seen materialize over the last uh, year and a half at this point is mm-hmm. truly spectacular. And just just from a financial point, from I, I thought I saw the, con- the tour three times, thought they sounded amazing and, and really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. As someone who was so tight with that, that whole thing mm-hmm. back in the the eighties and ni- late eighties and early nineties when that mm-hmm. happened. How how is mm-hmm. that? Is it is it painful to you for you to hear how successful they're, they're doing no. without no. your involvement? Are you happy? <laughs> no. what, what's your no. what's your no. overall take Look, on I, it? Yeah, thanks, Mark. I mean, I love those guys. I love them with all my heart and soul. They were my family, right? We grew up together. It was like the Partridge family. We didn't realize how big we were until we got home. People said, "Hey, you're the number one band in the world." What? Right. <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> I know we have a plane. But, yeah. um, but no, I mean, the, the reality, uh, it's just a reality. 
is that thing could have been, yeah, I understand it's huge, it's successful. It could have been way bigger if I would have been involved. And I would have done it for free. <laughs> I don't care. I'm at that point. I don't care. They don't want my involvement, and I'll discuss that with you in a second. But when they originally discussed the, the, uh, the, the uh, announcement, right? Get them back together. And I was like, Booze Brothers, put the band back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, a one, there was a one paragraph announcement that went out. Now, in my world, I would have hung, hanglated naked over Giant Stadium with a flare in my ass saying, <laughs> we're back. Right, right. <laughs> DNR management says we're back. And maybe, just maybe, Slash and Duff would have joined me. Right? Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Right. But, I mean, it was just, it went without fanfare. In every city that they play in, nobody's even aware they're playing. You know? And, and, and the thing I'm most proud of, Mark, in, in the two and a half year user illusion tour, I defy you to find one empty seat. Right. Underplay. Underplay. Because I wasn't interested in, in maximizing the dollars to milk it out of that one. I'm worried about the next tour. If you can't get a ticket, you're going to be first in line on the next tour. You know, why are they having such international success? Gee, I don't know. Yeah, they wrote the music. But the fact that my degree is in international marketing, while everybody else is sleeping, I'm writing up marketing reports or talking to people in Tel Aviv, Australia, South America. So they're not even aware of some of the things that I did for them financially, improving their label deal from, from a 15% royalty because uh, Niven, whatever, he's, whatever, I mean, it's irrelevant. Uh, he did some things that were a little unscrupulous, um, but, uh, but I, I had to renegotiate with David Geffen. It actually turned ugly. I won't go into it, but uh, suffice to say, after a number of months, Eddie Rosenblatt, who's a wonderful, sweet man, president, and David Berman, who's one of my favorite people on the planet, head of business affairs, they allowed me the opportunity to improve that deal to 34 points, more than doubling the royalty. At the time, it was the highest royalty in the history of music. They were four points higher than Michael Jackson. Oh Metallica has a, has a better deal now because they, they use this. Uh, in California, they have something called the seven-year statute for any written contract, even marriage. <clears throat> After seven years, that becomes null and void. So they contested the seven-year statute, and they ended up getting a 50-50 deal. But at the time, you know, uh, they got that deal. And oddly enough, the only person who recognized it and thanked me was Izzy Stradlin, who was out of the band. Wow. He'd get these massive royalty checks and call me and go, dude, thanks, I can buy more motorcycles now. Wow. So, <laughs> That's cool. So just to circle back a little me, bit. Mark, okay, fin- can, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I wanna, yeah, I want to finish on one point. The band is under a misconception, huge misconception. The biggest date in the history of the band is July 5, 1993. And I'll tell you what they think, and then I'll tell you reality. They've been told by Niven, right? I'm over in Hawaii being a dad, thinking that I'm going on, up on the Mount Rushmore of rock managers with Peter Grant, right? Yeah. And so, and so I'm, I'm losing weight so the sculpture looks good on, on, on the Mount Rushmore, right, right, right. right? And so my legacy, of course, is, oh, yeah, that's what was managed at Jelly's Great Thanks. So while I don't know it, Niven circles back with Slash and Duff and convinces them of the following. On July 5, 1993, the band's in Barcelona, Spain. And Axel tells me come to my room. And so I go to his room. And again, this is what they still believe. Yeah. Um, I come to his room and Axel says, Doug, I had the name Guns N' Roses in the beginning. So today, today, before the concert, you're going to have Slash and Duff sign a contract, giving me back the name. And if they don't, I'm not going on. And we're no longer in St. Louis. This is Barcelona, Spain. There's going to be riots and those deaths are going to be on those guys' heads. So 
So I then peel off and, and talk to Lori Soriano, the band's attorney, and she drafts the document. I go to sound check, present it. Those guys sign it in an inebriated state, and the rest is history. Okay. The reality is July 5, 1993 is the day that my son, Jacob Samuel Goldstein, was born in wow. Mission Viejo, California. I wasn't even on the same continent, and my right. wife was in labor for three days. I wasn't communicating with anybody. It was John Reese who ends up to be Judas in my life. Yeah. Um, John Reese presented it. I had nothing to do with it. Right. I didn't even know it existed. And more importantly, I'm not a dumb guy, Mark. You can't, in that position, if you present that contract, it's under duress. Wipe your butt with that contract. It's not null and void. Hmm. Yeah. And they're inebriated. They're not right. competent to sign the contract. Right. So when they sued each other to fight over the name, I was mesmerized that I wasn't brought into court huh. to say, hey, did this happen? I would have said, guys, look, it's ludicrous. Yeah. The only way that I, if, if in effect that was what was going to happen, I would have, if Axel would have asked me that, I would have said, dude, you can't do it under duress. Wait for a week break. And, oh, and, and, and more importantly, they didn't even have legal representation. Yeah. They just signed it. Hmm. It's ludicrous that they would operate under the assumption that that's, that's reality, particularly now that they're sober. Right, right. But they won't listen to me. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody who's listening to this will go, hey, guys, just take a look at it. Because you know what, Mark? I mean, they're the reason, they're one of the reasons why I'm doing this, right? I had to carry a Narcon on the road and use it on Slash. Hmm. The same drug, it's the same thing that they did on uh, uh, Uma Thurman on Pulp Fiction. Wow. You know, watching somebody that you love almost die, it, it crushes you. Yeah. And obviously I lost Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon at that famous rock and roll age of 27, Mark. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In New Orleans, he dies alone in a bunk, leaving a two-year-old girl, Nico, behind. Oh, my God. Tragic. I mean, I got to do this. I got to do this, Mark. I just yeah. can't. I mean, all the signs are there. It all, all ties into the Slam Festival that you're planning. And yeah, That's right. It seems like a great That's cause, right. and I wish you the best of luck on that. I did want to just circle Thanks, back Mark. around. With, with, the, yep. with the you know reunion of Duff, Axel, and, and Slash, mm-hmm. were you implying that, because the tour was immensely successful the, these past year and a half, two years, were you implying that it could have even in, been in more? America? Yeah, in, in America. Way more, yeah. way more. Where's, where's the television coverage? Yeah, but so, Where, but financially, financially, it did rank as the highest, you know, tour of the last year. And uh, that's, that's great. And I guarantee, I guarantee it with all the ancillary, I guarantee it. It could have been bigger, income, is what I you're saying. It could have been bigger. I could have, I could have increased it by five times. No wow. question. Wow. Okay. That's what I did for him. I mean, that's what I did for him when I was their manager. Right. Right. So again, yeah, because there was a lack of there was a lack of press about it, and but I, I thought that was kind of like you know <laughs> Axel doesn't like doing interviews, and and it seems like he didn't he like want doing the interviews in the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, in in eighty eighty seven and a half, um, he's no showing on a bunch of interviews. So I talked to uh, Lori Earl, my the publicist who ended up uh, as a publicist for Jimmy Iovine. And uh, Eminem and Snoop and Dre, right? She didn't do bad. Oh, and YouTube. Right. <laughs> she did okay with her career. She's retired now. But a sweet little girl, but she's a little Jack Russell Terrier. So I tell Lori, I say, hey, Lori, look, stop sending me access interviews. Let's pull those. And she goes, why? They all want to talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. Create supply and demand. It's just a loss of supply and demand. Pull away the supply and everybody in the world wants them. So he got to pick and choose the interviews that he did. Do I want to talk to Kurt Loader? 
you know, do I, do I want to uh, uh, rub up against Jan Wayner, a Rolling Stone? You got to pick and choose. And Slash and Duff and occasionally Izzy would jump in and do interviews, right. particularly Slash and Duff. See, that's another misnomer. People think that Axel ran that band. No, I mean, leave Axel alone. Let him be creative. Slash, he passed out a chandelier at four in the morning. He'd be banging at my door at nine or ten. Hey, what are we going to do today? Right. He'd sit in my room and we'd roll it out together. That guy's a genius, and he also did every T-shirt design the band's ever put out. Wow. Wow. Interesting. So, so it, yeah, it hurts my heart. I reached out to Duff recently on Facebook Messenger. Did you? Kind of told him what I'm up to, and I haven't heard back. You know, right. again, SW, SW, SW. I think it would be great. I don't want to manage him. That's not my premise. That's not my impetus. You know, uh, I don't know whether they'll ever tour again, but the reality is you know, that's not my goal. Right. You know, if they want to come play on the show, I'd love to have them. If they want to play on the veteran thing, I'd love to have them. If they want to do something for pediatric cancer, I'd love to have them. And I'm not asking for a discount, like I said. Right. Whatever your going rate is, come on. Have the exposure. International television. You haven't had any international television yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so why not close the tour with something fantastic like that? Yeah, well, I, again... Your your work speaks for itself in the past, and we're definitely looking Thanks, forward buddy. to your work in the future. It sounds like this is just a, a great cause. Again, we're talking about the Slam Thanks, Festival buddy. with Doug Goldstein, yes, former manager of Guns N' Roses, former tour manager of... Now, you did tour managing, too. With Great White, were you working with them? Did you do tour yeah, I worked with Great White. Um, yeah, I live with Jack Russell, Sweet Man. Michael Lardy, Adi Desbro, Mark Kendall, one of the funniest people. You have time for a quick Mark Kendall story? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. He's the funniest guy I've ever met. Right? We're walking through customs. I'm behind him. And the custom agent, he's Japanese, right? Right. The customs, we're landing in Japan. And the custom, <laughs> the custom agent is going through his stuff. And he says, you like marijuana? He goes, yeah, I love him. <laughs> he goes, really? You like marijuana? Yeah, love. Yeah, absolutely. Love. Right. <laughs> I go, Mark, Mark, what do you think he's asking you? He's asking if I like Muddy Waters. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark, he's asking if you love marijuana. Right. No, Mark gets good. pulled into secondary and stripped down. <laughs> right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I miss those guys. I love those yeah. guys. Yeah. Great stuff. I love those guys. <laughs> do you ever hey, Mark, think... can you do me a favor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, I mean, do you have a private email? that you yes. can ask people if they want to respond to. And then, you know, my email, right? Yeah. You can just forward me the ones that you think are, are prudent that I need to respond to. As far as just people interested in the slam festival or. Yeah. Or yeah. if they know any bands that are big enough to sell tickets, that would actually mean something for this cause or whatever, whatever offering. I, I'm not looking for money necessarily. Right. You know, that'll be in time. Once I establish the 5013C, the nonprofit. Um, but my goal is to be in Walmart. You know, when you check out a Walmart and you, you can give one, five, or ten dollars yeah, yeah, to a cause? Right. That's what I want. You know, cool. I want you to walk into McDonald's and there'd be a box, right? And the name of the company, the production company, by the way, is Hand of God International Productions LLC. Excellent. Cool. And the, yeah, good, news, and the, good, news, the good news is, Mark, I'm really not crazy. People just think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so anything I can email. do to help, Doug, absolutely. And uh, let's keep God talking about this. And please keep me posted on any updates. Uh, we want yes, to hear. Sir. We want absolutely to hear what's happening. Mark. 
All right, man. Well, yeah, you be safe. I know hey, you've Mark, had some, time, some health uh, stuff happening recently, so we wish you all the best and, and want thanks, your health bud. to be 100%. I'm pulling, out, so please, hey, I'm pulling out of here, Mark, on the 13th and going to my, my healthy space, Hawaii, okay. to pray and stretch and do my martial arts and Good. get my head right, go up to the top of Mauna Kea, and we'll watch the sunrise and go down to Ken's House of Pancakes in Hilo, eat nice. there, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's a great spot, by the way. King Kamehameha is the man in Hawaii. He's like, he's the king, right? right? And he raised his family in an area called Waipio Valley, which is where the famous UFC guy, E.J. Penn, grew up. And you go down there, and there's the ocean on one side and about a 2,000-foot uh, waterfall on the other side. Wow. Beautiful. And you just go hike. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And so that's where I go get my head right. All right. Very good. It sounds like a beautiful spot. Hi, buddy. Doug, take care of yourself. Yeah. Stay healthy and uh, reach out anytime. Yeah, reach out anytime. You too, bud. 24-7. My phone's on. You got it, man. All right. Great catching up Thanks, Mark. God bless, buddy. I love you. Doug, thanks so much for joining us here on Talking Metal. Always great to hear your stories and hear what you're up to. We want you to be healthy, safe, and I know there's been, you know, ups and downs in your life and and some some medical stuff uh, that you've had to deal with, so... Listen, I'm always thinking about you, man, and reach out anytime. My apologies, it took so long to to post this interview. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I've been out of work, so I'm interviewing everybody. They, people are like, can you do an interview tomorrow at 1 o'clock? Uh, yeah, sure. And when I'm working full-time, usually I, I can't do that, so I don't get this backlog of interviews like I currently have, but I'm completely, totally backed up and I, I'm just feeling bad because big name people are reaching out to me and going, Hey, what the hell's going on with my interview that you recorded uh, over a month ago? And uh, I'm like stressing. So I'm going to try to get you some, some extra episodes here, maybe simple episodes where I don't talk too much and we just, uh, we just get the guests on. So stay tuned for some great stuff coming up. Yeah. All right. On that note, please also check out my show on YouTube. It's called The Mark and Mitch Show. It's a weekly YouTube show. And um, I don't know, whenever we talk about Kiss, it seems to get more views, uh, which is good, but also bums me out because I feel like some of the other episodes have been really good and not as many people watch those. I don't know if that's because Mitch has his association, you know, from three, four years back uh, with the three sides of, of the coin show and people like to hear him talk about Kiss. But the dude knows a lot about other other bands and and topics. So please check out all our shows. We're up to like 12 episodes now on YouTube. The Mark and Mitch Show. Available on the Talking Metal YouTube page, youtube.com slash Talking Metal. Also available in the video section on TalkingRock.net, which is my new website. Let me know what you think of it. TalkingRock, not, not, TalkingRock.net. Okay, on that note, we're going to get out of here. Oh, you know what I said I was going to do before we do that? I said I was going to read a uh, review from iTunes. So if you go into your iTunes browser and you uh, search Talking Metal, which is what I'm doing right now, you will find the Talking Metal podcast as well as my other podcasts, Talking Rock and uh, what else? Talking Rock and Metal Raps. And then there's a ratings and review section. And I'm going to read you 
wow, the reviews go all the way back to 2006. Craziness. Uh, I'm going to read you the most recent one. And we could really use a, a new one. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a review on iTunes. This is by J98. I've been listening since episode 35 or so, and I love this show. You'll appreciate the wealth of classic metal knowledge, but don't let that fool you. These guys are on top of all the new metal, too. The only distraction for me is the kiss thing. I don't know if it's because I'm from the West Coast, but I don't get the fascination with kiss. But I won't hold that against them. If you want to learn what's hot in the metal community, this is the place. And it's funny. Check out the episodes where they stalk the Guns N' Roses offices. Classic. The other metal shows wish they were half as good and had half as many interviews. Up the irons. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Yeah, well, we do talk about Kiss a lot. And wow, those Guns N' Roses things you're talking about, those those are way, 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 way. Those are like 11 years ago. So maybe not 11, 10 years ago. So uh, no, yeah, man, I'm, I'm thinking Chinese democracy came out 10 years ago already, right? Wow. So those are like uh, 11, 12 years ago. We've had a lot of good content since then, Jay, but <laughs> thanks for remembering those. We are up to, we like, what is this? 728, 29. Uh, I don't even know where we are episode wise, but there's been a lot of episodes, a lot of good stuff. The show has evolved since those days, but we still try to have fun. And uh, sometimes we're funny, whether we mean it or not, right? Thanks, Jay, for the review. And uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Maybe I'll read it here on the podcast. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. All right, guys, take care. And let's, uh, let's have a song take us out here. What do I got? This is the song Split. Recorded by the late, great CeCe Banana, who we lost a number of years ago. I miss this guy so much. She was our first guest on Talking Metal back on episode one. Joined us many times through the years and sadly left us a number of years back. We miss him very much. Split by CC Banana. And if it sounds familiar, yeah, because uh, it is kind of a Kiss song. Features David Z, who we also sadly lost. A number of years back, or not a number of years, recently, right? Less than a year ago. Actually, months ago, right? Adrenaline Mob. David Z played with Z-Rock, was the star of an IFC show. Yeah, he's on this song, too. Split, featuring two former Talking Metal guests and friends, and sadly, we've lost them both. But this is a funny song. Check it out. Spit by CeCe Banana and David Z. Also features Angus Clark on this song. Got no manners and I'm not too clean But I know what I like if you know what I mean What do people say? Oh, Mr. Can't you see? It don't mean split to me!